0: So, I'm very happy to address all of you at the Sunday Love Feast at Charanagati. And I got a question not too long ago. And um, although I addressed it in, in general at the time, it's... Uh, came to my mind today so I thought I would pose it to you as it was posed to you to me and offer some insight of my own as to the answer the question was how do you know that Prabhupada is a pure devotee now I see the smile on some of your faces as if it is a ridiculous question perhaps and that it is such a thing as obvious as a nose on your face but um that is our subjective reality. We feel that way. And how will we convince someone that doesn't necessarily feel that way? And why do we feel that way, other than I just feel that way, and that's enough, and, <laughs> and so forth? There may be some reasoning behind this. Indeed, if subjectively we feel that way strongly, then we should be able to mount some logic and reasoning and scriptural support for that. You know, however anyone loves Krishna, purely, in Shuddha Bhakti, they can give support from the scriptures as to why that is the best way to love Krishna. Even though objectively speaking, we say from the point of view of tatastavichār, tatastavichār means to take a neutral, objective position and analyze a thing. Do you follow what I'm saying? Because if we're too close to something, subjectively involved, we can't always see it for what it is. We have a bias towards it. That's why, for example, we are, we're asked by our own tradition to step back from the world, a backward step of, of renunciation of sorts so that we can see the world objectively for what it really is. And of course, if we see the full picture of what the world really is from the vantage point of Sri Krishna Chandra, we can enter back into it without being involved in the exploitation that makes up the life of uh, material suffering. Indeed, we can we can lead a life of joy even within the world and bring joy to others. So, from the point of view of examining objectively, to further illustrate my point in this regard, Rupa Goswami wrote a book we're all familiar with, least in the form of the summary study known as Nectar Devotion. That book was called Bhakti Dasamrita Sindhu. In that book, Rupa Goswami is preaching about the nature of bhakti, its generic uh, nature, its different stages of expression, sadhana bhakti, bhava bhakti, brema bhakti, the constituents that make up rasananda, and so on. So he's given the whole kind of uh, gamut of the science of bhakti. He has his own sentiment as well, a particular relationship with Krishna, loving relationship with Krishna. But he stepped back from that in order to write objectively about all the different possibilities, whether it be Bhakti, rag Bhakti, different types of sentiment, Shanta Bhakti, Rasa, Dasya Rasa, akira Rasa, and so forth. So he stepped back from his own subjective reality and spoken objectively, and anyone, mm-hmm. At the same time, I'm saying anyone who is subjectively involved in Krishna consciousness significantly in terms of a relationship with Krishna, because of the force of that, they will be able to mount uh, a uh, campaign of logic and reasoning and scriptural support as to why their position is the best. And of course, each one's position is the best. You follow me? However one loves Krishna in purity, Kaviraj Krishna das, has made it clear, that's the best for them. So the subjective reality ultimately prevails. So we may say, why I have to prove to you that Prabhupada is how I feel he is. It's good enough for me and... <laughs> end of the story. That You can take that position, that, that's fine. But then again, uh, Prabhupada was uh, very much uh, fond of the idea of propagating Krishna consciousness and preaching. And to preach we have to sometimes be uh, objective, we have to, you know, I sold a lot of books, and some of you in the room probably did also, to some extent, sometimes under, under my influence also. Forgive me if I pushed you too hard at any time or intimidated you to stay out there longer hours or something. But I was out there too, so. But at any rate, you know, when you do that, you have to really um, enter into the person's mind and find out what they're thinking very quickly, assess that. And then from within their own mind, while remaining in your own body, you speak about the book in a way that will appeal to them, obviously. So if we're to share our sentiment, our subjective reality, with regard to Prabhupada, for example, then it should be such a subjective reality, such a, such a uh, in truth, <coughs> our reality, that we can support it with a, a reasonable explanation and scriptural citations and so forth, as is the standard. Now even in that you should know, everyone may not agree with that logic, everyone may not agree with that interpretation of scripture as we cite it and so forth, but at least we've done our part. People are free to choose to interpret scriptures as they like, and logic is a very uh, elusive thing. Tarko apatish tanat, as the sutras say. By logic, you never really get anywhere but in a circle no real partition, no real standing. So, hopefully, if we do speak about, for example, this subject to someone, if this question is ever raised to us, we can speak logically and with scriptural support and with such feeling that they will be convinced, if nothing else, based on the, the feeling and how it has changed our lives. You know, Mahabharata taught like this, Apani achari vakti shikai nusavari. By example, we will teach. Mahabhrabhu converted everyone by its example more than by precepts. He only wrote a poem of eight stanzas. So, objectively speaking, if someone says, how do you know that Prabhupada is a utum adhikari? Then we shall go to the scripture, and what does the scripture say as an uttama adhikari? That would be a first, perhaps, starting point. In the eleventh canto of Bhagavatam, we find a description of different types of adhikari, or, or persons who are eligible for bhakti. Basic eligibility is what? Sukriti. Sukriti. Shraddha. After Sukriti comes shraddha. You know, what I mean? shraddha faith. Shraddha means the sublime sense that simply by serving Krishna, my life will be successful. It dawns on us at some point. That the, that the absolute truth resides at you know such and such address every sunday and then suddenly i find out myself living there sunday after sunday after sunday so according to different degrees of shraddha then different types of devotees have been described the neophyte the intermediate and superlative so we are talking about uttamadhikari bhagavatam says in that section that what? Sāvabhūteshu uh, Sava Bhuteshu Yapashid Bhagavad Bhavamatmana Bhutani Bhavaniatmani Sa Bhagavat Uttam. Esha Bhagavat Utam. The Bhagavat Uttam is characterized like this. He or she sees the soul of all souls in every soul, sees everything in Krishna and Krishna within everything. Now as we move on the ladder from a neophyte orientation to an intermediate orientation to bhakti, to a superlative orientation of bhakti, we move from an external orientation to an internal orientation. The neophyte devotee pays obeisance to the deity and is more physically oriented. The Madhya Madhikari is more involved with his intelligence also penetrating the meaning of the scripture and, and so forth. Some, some inner life is beginning at this time. And Adhikari is, in the fullest application, is fully internal, fully internal. He cannot uh, relate sanely to the outer world. I mean, I saw our Guru Mahārāj, my Guru Mahārāj, Prabhupāda, many times, in speaking with him, wrestle himself down from his internal absorption to talk to me. It was very endearing as you can imagine and some of you must have had the same experience also so therefore this description of the uttamadikari it's a little hard to you know to verify it it's speaking about he sees all souls within krishna krishna within all souls he sees everything inside of krishna krishna inside of everything how do you verify that that he's uh, seeing such so it's it's a little bit difficult to understand therefore sometimes it's said and appropriately so that it takes one to know one. So, who's who? Our ability to understand the adhikar of an advanced devotee will be somewhat dependent upon our own adhikar, to definitively understand, with realization, which is the ultimate praman or evidence. We can give, and we'll try to today, give some scriptural evidence and logic in support of this, but ultimate evidence will be our own realization. And realization, by this I mean I mean, meeting Prabhupada on the other side, if you will. He has a life there, as you know, and we are hoping to have a life there as well. To meet on that side. This is our ideal, to know the full uh, expression of the, of the principle of, of Gurudev, sakshad-harit-vena, samastashastra. This is the beginning understanding. He is directly the manifestation of God. All the scriptures say so. What is the next line of Vishwana Chakritakur's poem, Guru Vastakam? He says, kintu Tena. Samasta shastre kintu Prabodha priya He says the Guru is manifestation of is, is direc- Sakshadhari. He's directly God. All the scriptures say so. cha jamummi dhaniyam namamanyitakaricet All these statements. But, however, it says, Krishna says. He's also dear to Krishna. So he's Krishna, but he's dear to Krishna. So first we'll become acquainted with the idea he's, he's Krishna himself. It means this Krishna is everywhere, but he comes to us locally in a particular manifestation just to deal with, just tailored to deal with us. So we should pay all attention there. We should put all attention there. That's Krishna's arrangement. If you want to meet Krishna, meet him on his terms. He's coming to you on these terms. He's everywhere. Everyone's thinking of him in some capacity, knowingly or unknowingly. But in the very powerful and merciful manifestation, he comes to us in a way just tailored for us. Very extraordinary. And so we should think Krishna has directly come to me. If in our practice, we busy ourselves in Krishna work, only planting tulsi, worshiping the deity, distributing the Book of Krishna, writing the Book of Krishna, preaching to someone about Krishna, planting the flowers for Krishna, planting the vegetables, picking the vegetables, cutting the vegetables, washing the vegetables, cooking, as may be the case. All this Krishna... We absorb ourselves in that conscientiously, then our mind should start to become tamed and sometimes we find we can sit down and... It's easy to chant Hare Krishna to get some, some taste. Oh, just a glimpse of something, of the nature of our self. It's so confirming, isn't it? That's why we're all here. Some confirmation. Oh, this is different. I want this. <laughs> this is different than any sensual experience. I want this. Live for the next moment. We live for the day that there will be every moment such absorption in trance and inner cultivation. We have to keep ourselves busy first. Then the mind will come around a bit. We can have some inner experience. And as that uh, uh, begins to develop within us, then this further consideration will come more into view that the Guru is God Himself coming before us, but He's also particularly dear to Krishna. That means, in a particular capacity, He has endeared Himself to Krishna. He loves Krishna, He is the embodiment of a particular kind of love of Krishna. So my point is, to become acquainted with that, then we know the full spectrum of what it means. He's Guru, he's Krishna directly coming to us, but in time we see he represents a particular potency of Krishna, a particular sentiment, bhava. So it may, it may be a distant thing for us, we think, but we should think that and this is part of the equation of our service to, to gurudev to become acquainted with that, that is pramana. You see? Evidence. That is conclusive evidence, is what I want to say. And that, what can we say? We cannot show that to someone else. I cannot share many years of uh, practice and, and bhajan with you in, in, in a moment. <laughs> or, or None of us can. We, we have to go through that ourselves. So that will be ultimate evidence. But in the meantime, for the preaching's sake, someone has asked the question, and we feel strongly about it, and maybe we have some realization also, and we have some experience... And to the extent that we do, we should be able to put forth a fairly compelling, unreasonable, scripturally supported argument. So, we've quoted from Bhagavatam. What is the nature of a He sees Krishna in everything, everything in Krishna, and so on. So, what about Prabhupada? Did he see Krishna? Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, Sri he told me once that he was a young man joined the mission of... Prabhupada, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarastha and he was sitting with Prabhupada, a dignified man from the community, well-to-do and educated, influential fellow, came to the darshan of Prabhupada Bhakti And his family was there, and there was questions and answers and so forth. And in the midst of that, this fellow volunteered, or he asked Prabhupada bhaktisiddhanta, I would like to ask a question. And Prabhupada said, Yes. He said, No, I would like to ask in private. So given his influential position and so forth, and that he had come a distance to meet Prabhupada, and Sarasati Thakur said, All right, uh, after the discussion you can meet in private. So Siddhartha said, Oh, I was so fascinated to think what he will ask Guru Maharaj in private. And I was a new, newer man at the time. A chair was arranged in the garden and there were some bushes and trees there and Prabhupada sat with that man and he said, I could not resist, I snuck up and I hid in the bushes. You hear, what will he ask Prabhupada? So there the two were sitting, and I was hiding behind the bush, Sridhar Maharaj explained, and the man looked to see, make sure no one was around, and he said, ''I want to know, have you seen Krishna?'' He asked Prabhupada, ''Lakti (laughs) Siddhanta.'' This is his question. And Prabhupada told him, more or less, he said, ''This is not a spiritual question.'' He said, ''If I say no,'' then he will say, ''Well, why should I listen to him?'' If I say yes, then you'll think I'm proud. Or, if I say yes, how will you know I'm telling the truth? We should not be so concerned ourselves about seeing Krishna or whether someone else has seen Krishna. What should we be concerned about? How to serve Krishna. What did we see in Prabhupada? He was very enthusiastic to serve Krishna. We saw that. We deduced from that it's sufficient for us. He He's seen Krishna. He saw everything in the modern world as something to apply in in Krishna's service. He was fascinated by various manifestations of the modern world, like computer and, well, in those days there weren't that many computers. They were big things. But we had typesetters, for example, in Los Angeles, where I stayed for a number of years, the BBT facility, typesetting facilities. And when Prabhupada would come, then he would want to visit the, the facilities and we were quick to tell him, this is the latest machine and it's, you know, it does this and that. And he would look at it and would, with a, with a glow, fascinated, not by the machinery per se, but by the idea that such modern facilities were all being used in Krishna service. It means he could be fully immersed in examining and exploring, uh, appreciating the material nature without any exploitive, enjoying tendency. I told the story the other day, some of you weren't there, so if you were, forgive me, I'm going to repeat it. I was sitting with Prabhupada one year, 26 years old after I had taken sannyas, in a newly acquired skyscraper, as Prabhupada sometimes called, his skyscraper building in uh, New York. You know, We had an 11-story building in Manhattan. From a homeless person in the Bowery to 11 years later, a skyscraper in Manhattan, all for Krishna. This is such a, a triumph for Prabhupada, that we could have, some of us uh, at the time, been part of that, it was great uh, mercy, as it was with so many of the other triumphs. We talked about the triumph of Krishna Balaram Mandir the other day. But with, I was sitting in the 11th story flat of Prabhupada, and uh, Prabhupada was looking at a beautiful red rose, and here I am a young young man, 26 years old, I had taken sannyas in madness one, one year before. And and uh, <laughs> and, uh Prabhupada turned to me and he said, "Friedrich, have you seen the New York women?" And oh, I didn't know what to say. Shall I say yes? And what if I say what? What is he testing me? Or so I was a little uh, tongue-tied. And, and then Prabhupada just continued. He wasn't really asking me. He was just like it was like we were a couple of friends having a conversation. Have you seen the women there? Like, and he started talking about them. They're so charming and so beautiful. And and uh, he's just going on, he's absorbed in this, and, he's, and then he just keeps talking, he says, and all the men are controlled by those women, all the men, and they're all very busy, working, and all these buildings are going up like this, and the whole city is, mad. He says, this is Vishnu Maya. He was sharing his samadhi with me. Mm-hmm. It was a dhyan at that particular time, meditation, on the illusory energy, the Maya Shakti of Krishna. Of course, he's fully absorbed in that, without any tendency to enjoy it. Nirubanda Krishna vairāgya We quote this verse, but we should also remember the person who said it lived under a different tree every night. That's Rupa Goswami. We like to talk about using things in Krishna's service, but more than often than not we may find that we're being used in the service of those things in the name of using them in Krishna's service. We should be a little careful in that regard about acquiring the latest gizmos and gadgets for Krishna's service. We should measure how much we're attracted to the gizmos and the gadgets in comparison to how much we're attracted to to Krishna or how much their utilization and application in our hands causes us to lose interest in them per se and find interest and sentiment and feeling for Krishna and Guru developing within our heart. Prabhupada in a big way applied that verse. We offer pranam to that from a distance. You know, Prabhupada wanted us to expand the movement. That's true. But he also told us, and forgive me, I can't remember exactly what he said, but something to the effect in the last few months of his passing that if you can just keep it together, just you know, even if you don't expand it, what we've got so far, you just deal with that nicely. It's an interesting point, actually, because a lot of us are still, and we should be to some extent busy in expanding it, but sometimes as an excuse not to develop really what it's all about, so any inner life. <coughs> it's, it's ironic, but even the preaching can become an excuse for not, not practicing and, and going more deeply within the, within the tradition. It, it can be abused in that way. So he gave a kind of a, a, a note, in my humble opinion, of caution in that regard. You know, it was as early as 1975 that he wrote, uh, we have enough men and women now, we should just boil the milk. I want all of my disciples to become bhaktivedantas, and, and so on. So, Prabhupada, absorbed, he could be fully in a meditation upon the material nature without any exploitive motive. He, 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 as far as seeing the soul in everyone, he lived with the devotees, cooked for them, even did the laundry for them, with people whom other Vaishnavas, Vaishnavs, would not stand in the shadow of. It's a fact, in some instances. The Gaudiya Vaishnava would not stand in the shadow, even if you were initiated by him. What to speak of before that? So intimately he mixed with us, like dear friend. You know, when I first saw Prabhupada, when I first met Prabhupada personally, it was about uh, two, three months after I had joined. Uh, I used to live in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and uh, it's a long story, as all of ours are, our, as to how we joined. But anyway, I was living there, and. I was chanting Hare Krishna and I had a shaved head and I was preaching from the Krishna book and some devotees came to town and heard, there's this guy there and he's all about Krishna. You should go and get him. So they got, came and collected me up. <laughs> I was kind of doing it in my... I didn't know how to join. I had picked up some books and I was practicing. I was reading the Krishna book and explaining it to my friends. And Someone told me, you should have a shaved head if you do that. So I shaved my head. Another fellow had a piece of cloth, an orange piece of cloth. He said, You know, they wear this, you should have, take this. And I was wearing that. <laughs> and the devotees found me like that. <laughs> Prabhupada was reclaiming me. I could understand in time, not too long with time, a few months after, when Prabhupada came to Los Angeles. And the devotees that I was with, the preaching, traveling Sankirtan devotees, they said, You should come and meet Prabhupada and get initiated by him. It was like a couple months after I had joined. And so naturally I came, as unqualified as I felt, and Prabhupada came in the airport. And, you know, the most significant thing about Prabhupada in terms of his physiognomy was his his eyes, his glance. Valdivati in his Gita commentary mentions that the well-wishing of the uttam adhikari can create a sukriti for bhakti, just, just and he said, in ways by like glancing the Prabhupada had a, a magna- ma- very magnetic and powerful compelling glance that would look into your very soul and he was very controlled where he placed that glance his eyes were not wandering so if he looked at you there was all the, it was intentional and all the power of that concentrated glance and control of his senses it was based on his, uh, I'm not trying to control him, but a little bit on his being lost in love with Krishna <coughs> because it was based on his love of Krishna. His love of Krishna also came through the glance to some extent. So anyway, I was fortunate at that time that he got off the plane and he looked right at me, right into my soul, and tears poured out of my eyes like I had never experienced, and my hairs bristled and uncontrollably. I, I had calculated that when you see him, You try to touch his feet because it said if you touch the feet of the pure devotee. And in a simplistic way, I thought, I got to get in there and touch those feet. But when he looked at me like that, I became like electrified, and tears poured from my eyes, and my hairs bristled, and I fell to my knees, crying and crying. And all the devotees in the crowd took Prabhupada, and there I was, just in in a pool of my own (laughs) my own tears. So then I chased ahead somehow or other, and uh, when I composed myself and realized the person's doing this it went that way and I have to follow him. So I, I ran after and somehow I got in front of the crowd and got in a position and suddenly Prabhupada just walked right by and there I went and touched his feet also. <laughs> he was kind enough to allow me to touch his feet. So at that time I felt, oh, I've met an old friend. This was my distinct feeling. I've met an old friend. We've known one another a long time and he's come to, f- to collect me up. So since then I've lived my life like that, cultivating that, uh, that his friendly uh, gesture to include me in his, uh, in his world. And I am, uh, know my uh, background in this life, and, and, and I, so I understand so, such a person to share himself with me, so he's not looking at me on the bodily platform, he's seeing me from not only this lifetime but many lifetimes. He lived, as we said, with regard to the 11-story building, he lived in the bowery, a homeless person. A fellow once told me, if your Guru Maharaj is pure, why he's not in Vrindavan doing Madhukari? Madhukari means you go from door to door begging. It means you depend on Krishna. Wake up in the morning, you have nothing to eat. You chant your japa, then you go door to door and beg, and people will give you chapatis. I said, ah, yeah. So many people are doing Madhukari in Vrindavan. There's a whole system for Madhukari. You put on a cloth and you can get free bodies. <laughs> a godbrother of mine told me, and he was doing this. I thought, what are you doing? This this is not what Prabhupada wants us to do. He said, Oh, Goswamis are doing. I said, that's all right, but Prabhupada tell tell you to do Madhukari and Vrandaman, and you're a sannyasi. So we had some some differences still. So he couldn't give up the idea, and we were in a certain area of the Bridge, and he said, And this area is particularly good for Madhukari. <laughs> <laughs> do you understand? There's, good, there's butter chapatis in this area. I said, you know, this is not Madukari. <laughs> so when I, this fellow asked me, why you did not do Madukari in Vrindavan? Of course, he lived in Vrindavan. He did his bhajan there for a number of years. And he, he lived at Radha temple. Whatever the deity offered at noon, he would take that once a day. That was his <laughs> system. But that is not so as dear. That was not so much depending upon Krishna as coming to New York, living as a homeless person, where they don't even make chapatis. The principle of Madhukarya, I mean to say, is to depend on Krishna. To have shraddha in Krishna Nam. such shraddha he had. As I said, the determining factor of one's adhikara, eligibility for bhakti, is the degree of his or her shraddha, what faith he had in Arinam to come. He said what when he got off the boat in Boston? I didn't know whether to turn left or right, depending on Krishna. So this is a very striking example. (coughs) So in a number of ways we can reason about his life and activities in such a way as to, in a general sense, make a convincing argument that he was seeing Krishna. With such enthusiasm to serve Krishna, he must have been seeing the object of his, of his devotion and service. And with such a capacity to engage everything in Krishna's service as, as he was so expert, he must have been seeing Krishna. And in everything and everything in Krishna and so forth. So, we, this is some general type of explanation. But we should go further. In Chaitanya Charitamrita, Mahaprabhu is glorified by Balabacharya. He says, Kali Kaler Dharma Sankirtan Krishna Shakti tar Pravartan Prabhupada used to like to cite this poem. Krishna Shakti Nahi. Who does not have Krishna Shakti, Tar pravartan? who doesn't have Krishna Shakti, he cannot effectively engage in Krishna Sankirtan. Balabha said this to Mahaprabhu. Balabha asked Mahaprabhu Sri Dev to give some explanation of the holy name. Mahaprabhu said, I know nothing about the holy name, except that he is Sham Sundar, Shoda Shodananda, suckling the breast of Yashoda, Sham Sundar, this is all I know. Balabha had his own fancy tikka on on Krishna Nam. But Balaba begged to differ respectfully and said, Oh, no, you you have Krishna Shakti, therefore you know what is Krishna Nam, what is Krishna Sankirtan. He said, E Praman Krishna Shakti Dhartumi. The fact that you, because you cannot (coughs) perform Krishna Sankirtan effectively without Krishna Shakti, I say that because you are effectively performing Krishna Senkirtan. This is the pramana, the evidence, that you have Krishna Shakti. So Krishna Shakti. What is Krishna Shakti? If someone is empowered to preach effectively in Krishna Senkirtan and propagate to capture the hearts of people, not just their intellect, their mind for a little while, but their heart. If you capture their heart, even when their mind wanders, they keep coming back to it. If you can only capture their mind when their mind wanders, then they are at the door also. So Guru has to capture the heart, and to that he has to have a heart. He has to share his heart through his preaching. And if he's able to share his heart to some extent, his sentiment, and capture your, our heart, and as I say, even when the mind wanders, which it does, we'll keep coming back to Krishna consciousness. So Prabhupada captured so many hearts by Krishna Sankirtan. So by simple logic of Chaitanya Charitamrita, he must have Krishna shakti. What is Krishna shakti? Sudhashatva Vishatma Premasuryansu Shammyabhak. Rupa Basami says in Bhakti Rasamaky sindhu that this Ladini Shakti and Samvit Shakti, the cognitive and ecstatic aspects of the Swarup Shakti means internal energy of Krishna. These two combine vise-shatma in a particular way and enter the heart of a devotee. And like a ray of the sun of praying, And this, he says, is bhava, bhava bhakti. The fruit of sadhana bhakti is bhava bhakti. We can know we've done our sadhana well when we get the bhava from that. This is the, uh, the idea of sadhana. So, if one has prominent ingress of the uh, Swarup Shakti, this is bhakti proper. That means utta Marikari. Do you understand? Bhakti proper. We are bhakti uh, practitioner, for the most part. Sadaka, not sadhyana. We are doing sadhana to arrive at sadhyana, uh, a goal. In sadhana bhakti, we are devotees by way of the generosity of actual devotees. You see, what is a devotee? It's a big topic, but when krishna shares prominently his swarup shakti with the jeev then there is a, a, a relationship is established krishna his nature we call it is his swarup shakti when he shares that with the jeev the jeev comes under the influence of that swarup shakti then he can reside in the realm that is conducted under the influence of the swarup shakti Mahatmanastamampartha daivim prakritim (coughs) ashrita. What is daivim prakritim? This is what is the jurisdiction over the Mahatma, great soul, daivim prakritim. Means, svaraup shakti, uh, conducting the the affairs of Golok. It is all all these devotees, Subhal, Sri Dham, Stoka Krishna, Radha, Jasoda, Vishakalalita, they are all manifestations of svaraup shakti. We are Jeev shakti. But when the svaraup shakti consumes us, then we can function in that realm of the Swarup Shakti. It's a generous realm, like a welfare state. Everything is provided. And of course, we find capacity to do that by coming in touch with someone who has considerable ingress of this Swarup Shakti and can share that with us through their prachar, through their example, through Diksha and all the all these things. And the cultivation of that with Shiksha. So if one, my point is, has Krishna Shakti, then he has ingress of, of this Ladini Shakti, Sambit Shakti, and he has power, or she has power, to conduct Sankirtan effectively. He conducted Sankirtan effectively, this is our logic, as was Balava's with regard to Mahaprabhu, he must have Krishna Shakti. It is said, one of the characteristics of a superlative devotee is that whoever sees him chants Hare Krishna. Krishna Nam comes on his tongue. My, I had that experience, as I said, I met Prabhupada, I neglected to say that my I cried, my hairs were bristling, and my tongue was saying, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Now, if this is the character of a superlative devotee, that whoever sees him, they, they naturally tend, or in, in some instances at least, people upon seeing him, chant the holy name of Krishna. What to speak of someone who, was such that if you saw his disciples, you chanted Hare Krishna. This is Prabhupada. Oh, Hare Krishna. <laughs> so many people just seeing his disciples would chant Krishna Nam. Vancouver Temple, which this is, uh, was, uh, was a satellite at one point, perhaps it still is uh, for some of you. Mm-hmm. At one point, there must have been 300 devotees in Vancouver. Beautiful deities established, temple, property purchased, missionary work going on, and so forth. And Prabhupada never went there. This is Krishna Shakti. This is effective Sankirtan. So we see he had such power, and now we're analyzing scientifically for the doubter and getting some scriptural point for him. Look, you cannot do this without Krishna Shakti. And by the way, do you know what is Krishna Shakti? Krishna Shakti, Sruddha Shatva Visheshatma, I said. Prema Suryam Srusamyapak. It is the ray of the sun of Prema. So someone we have to say, well, okay, so he's a bhava-bhakta, as if it's a small thing. It's Rūpa Goswami says, very rare to attain this, very rare. It's our ideal, but even that in an intermediary sense, because bhava-bhakti has elements of sadhana-bhakti and elements of prema-bhakti. In other words, there's practice that goes on in the stage of bhava-bhakti. The practice is the cultivation of that ray of the sun, of praying, that we can enter into the sunlight of our own love of Krishna. Still, Prabhupada is considered a a superlative devotee, no doubt. But let's go on for the doubter, if we can. You know that in the dawn of Prabhupada's mission, as he crossed the Atlantic Ocean, as a uh, a traveler on the uh, commercial boat, the Jaladutta, he wrote a poem to Krishna, I think he entitled it, A Prayer to Lord Krishna. Well you may be familiar with that prayer, you may have heard it, and uh, some of my, one of my godbrothers translated it for a song book I believe, knew a little Bengali and so on. But um, I had the good fortune, after Prabhupada left, to come into the uh, company of Om Mishnapad Bhakti Raksa Sami Samimaras, dear godbrother of Prabhupada. Whom um, Prabhupada, <coughs> of course, as you know, said that after his disappearance, we could hear from for philosophy. He said many a wonderful thing. We heard some wonderful things that he said this morning that Dmitarrani read to us, that Prabhupada said about uh, oh, his friendship with Trita how they had lived together, how he trained me, he said to come to the West in so many ways, how affectionately they were intertwined, and, and so on. So at any rate, I had the good fortune, in the midst of a lot of confusion about spiritual authority and uh, in the midst of uh, circumstances in which the credibility of spiritual authorities was lacking. I had the good fortune by the grace of Prabhupada to come under good spiritual authority. And I was sitting with Prabhupada, and I'll just make this point briefly, in uh, October of 1977, a few weeks before he left the world. And at that time there were shifts, 24-hour shifts for chanting the holy name. My ship was like 1 in the morning to 3 in the morning. And it was just me at that hour and one other devotee who was always with Prabhupada personally assisting him. So I was chanting Mahamantra and I chanted Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare which was probably one of the most, if not the most prominent melody that Prabhupada chanted the Hare Krishna mantra And My reasoning behind it, I was thinking about it, I thought, I thought, I want to be bona fide. I want to be in the guru parampara. Because it's easy to get distracted by music in the name of chanting and so forth. And Prabhupada used to caution us about that. In fact, in Mayapur, Chantodaya Mandir, once he told us, "You only chant Hare Krishna, Sri Krishna, Chaitanya, Hari Hari Nama Krishna, Yadavai, Nama. Not even the second part of the, and third part of that song, and we were so you know, fanatical about it, or strict about it, that's all we would chant. Probably things have changed by now, but, and with melodies and so forth, you know, probably would, it, in Bengal in you can go, there. so many beautiful kirtaniers, but they're, they're after the kirtan, they're smoking beaties and, and so many things. So it's not a musical manifestation. The same reason, Bhaktisiddhanta Siddhanta Saraswati would sometimes chant with no music musical instruments or go off key and, uh, and these kind of things to emphasize that, that this is a spiritual affair. It's, an, it's a giving of the heart, really. It's not just a musical exercise. So I was thinking these things, and, and you know, I mean, it appeared that Prabhupada's departure was, was imminent, And I'm thinking, I want to be connected with this. And I'm, a, you know, I'm just a young fellow here, and uh, I've probably got many years to live. My Gurudev, I've only spent a few days with, and now he's believing what will become of me. So I was praying to Prabhupada, you please keep me in the Guru Parampara. And I, I strictly follow you, was my speech. Strictly follow you. Therefore, I'm chanting this mantra in this, with this melody was you know, my simple way of trying to convey that to Prabhupada. I'm doing that for about an hour. And Prabhupada sat up and said, who is that chanting? And I said, oh, that's Dr. Parampara. She looked at me and nodded his head. And I could understand, oh, he's going to keep me in the Guru Parampara. How? I don't know, but somehow or other. And that's how. I had the good fortune to come in the company of someone who I never heard say more beautiful and profound things about my Guru Maharaj then. Such deep insight and appreciation for Prabhupada's mission he had was very compelling. So, at any rate, this poem that Prabhupada wrote at the dawn of his mission as he was crossing the ocean, it's full of very deep insight into his inner uh, nature. And while I mentioned that one of my godbrothers, a new little Bengali, <coughs> translated the poem, Sridhar Maharaj happened to have a copy of it. He had his own translation of it. Now, that's valuable, I thought, who had such deep insight into Prabhupada, who was his contemporary. You know, that when Prabhupada introduced us to Sridhar in, in Mayapur, he sat him down on the same vyasa song with him and told the story of how they met and how they lived together and so forth and how he had very high realizations and he would faint and... Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta wanted me to bring him out to preach and I'm always trying, and they chuckle between one another and so forth. So I think, wow, to hear this uh, poem of Prabhupada, which is always a very endearing poem, with Sridhar Mar's translation, that would be valuable. So since that time, of course, I've thought about these things and I do my practice quite consistently and strictly and uh, also some insights myself have, have come. So I share with you. This poem, in in pursuit of further uh, answering the query that we began with, how do you know that Prabhupada is a pure devotee? If he's a bhava bhakta okay. If that's not enough, I don't know what. It, but anyway, okay. If that's not enough for you, then how developed is his bhava? Is it fully developed in the rasa rasananda, situated in in loving aesthetic rapture with with Krishna? Which is the cultivation of that bab that culminates in pain, <coughs> mam pranai ragana, rag? Well, as much anyway as it can be contained in this body. If we study this prayer carefully, we can we can arrive at that conclusion. As to the shakti of Krishna of Prabhupad, being the ingress of the Sattva, swarup shakti, he says anyway, Krishna tobo punya, hobe bhai, e punya koribe jobe rada rani kushi hobe. Dhruva Ati Boli Tomo says, O Krishna, Krishna, Tobo Punya Hobe Bhai. O Krishna, my dear brother, take it from me that it is certain, fixed, like the pole star, Druva, which is mentioned here, around which everything else resol- revolves, that you will attain piety when Radharani is pleased with you. Prabhupada in his poem is speaking to Krishna. My dear friend, Krishna, buddy, listen up, he says. I'm going to give you some advice. This is my advice to you. Moral and ethical advice. That it's certain, without a doubt, this is a sure thing. Have no doubt about it. If you act in such a way that Radharani is pleased with you, oh, you will become pious. Your life will become auspicious. This is very extraordinary dealings. Some devotees in the that they deal like this with Krishna. Some of his friends, they are called Priyanarmas. They give all kind of good advice to Krishna with regard to his romantic life. Prabhupada speaking, in this spirit, giving advice to Krishna, you will become moral <coughs> and an ethically sound. Your life will become auspicious. You will get piety if Radharani is pleased with you. Now, you have to understand that this is the whole some substance of Gaudi Vaishnavism. In one verse of this poem if we speak to Krishna about his love for Radha we will get his attention very quickly this is the idea of Vaishnavas. if you want to capture Krishna and you talk about this he'll eventually grab you and silence you and bring you back to Godhead you know all those things about me about my love affair that makes me Krishna what, it, what does it mean it make, that it makes that love affair makes me Krishna I'm God but that love affair turns me into Krishna human-like fellow, fallen in love, off the throne, the Lord of the universe, crying to Madhu Mangal, his pal, such a pal, uh, how I can get her company, how, 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 what can I do? Piteous condition. This is, what Krishna, this is what Krishna means, God in this condition. That's why Gaudiya Vaishnava says, if you know this about Krishna, you found the Achilles heel of Brahman, Difficult to go to understand Brahman. But if you know this, very easily you can go there. This is the secret inside track, to enter the heart of reality. Krishna means the very heart of reality, the love life of God. So Prabhupada revealing here that he knows something very much about that. And he's speaking to Krishna in a poem. He's bargaining with Krishna. First I tell you, if you, get, if you please Radharani, your life will become all Christmas. Now, he says... Shri Siddhanta Saraswati, Sachi, Suta Priyati, Krishna, Sevai, Jar, Tulanai, Sehi, Se, Mohanta, Guru, Dhava, Ter, Madde, Guru, Krishna, Bhakti, Deya, Thay, He introduces his guru into the discussion. My gurudev, Shri Siddhanta Saraswati, Sachi, Suta Priyati, is extremely dear to the son of Sachi, and... No one, uh, Krishna Sevai Jar tulon Nai. No one is equal in serving Krishna. In serving you, Krishna, than to him. He's so great. He's, he's the Mahanta Guru, famed throughout the world. He's delivered Krishna Bhakti wherever he went. So he's glorifying his Dev. Now he's speaking of his Gurudeva in terms of his Sadhaka daya. You know we have a Sadhaka and we have a Siddhadeha. If we act properly in our Sadhaka Deha, we can eventually realize our Siddhadeha. He's talking about his Gurudev in terms of his Sadakadeya, as a Gaurabhakta, mm-hmm. Bhaktisiddhanta, Saraswati, Thakur, Prabhupada. But Saraswati Thakur has his Siddhadeya also, his inner life. And he, uh, he did mention that in one letter, and so all of his disciples know that, what is the surupa of Bhaktisiddhanta, Saraswati Thakur. And uh, he gave his name, Nayana Mani Manjuri. So he is in this Manjali Bhava. the Prophet is negotiating with Krishna, mm-hmm. And he says, Now, I told you, if you please Radha Rani, then uh, you'll become pious. Now I want to say this to you, that my Gurudev is very great, and this is who he is. And he's alluding to the fact, of course, that Gurudev is in Radha's camp. I've told you, if you please Radha, then that will be good for you. So my Gurudev is in Radha's camp. You mm-hmm. must know him, the favorite, who's, who's very dear to the son of Sachi, Chaitanya, who's preached all over the world, Mahanta Guru. So, Kara eachobolavan tete Nagaradi i Loi Krishna This verse he just continues to glorify Sarsati Thakur. He had a great desire, he says to Krishna, to see Goronga's name glorified throughout the Western world, so that in every town of the world on the shores of its oceans, streams and rivers, people would call out Krishnaam. He's continuing this. He says, if that should happen, such preaching should go on, <coughs> then that would be great joy. If Krishna Nam went to every shore, every town and village, that would be a great victory. That would be the extreme manifestation of Mahaprabhu's mercy. All those miserable creatures contaminated by illusion would be happy, and the of desire would see fruition. So prop probably saying like, how important this preaching is, and how he would like to see the Saraswati Thakur's desire fulfilled for such preaching, and uh, continued, and so forth. Then, seh kori bare nahi ati dina jagiteche anurupa ajit now he, Bhaktisiddhanta, parentheses she, <coughs> relative to Krishna Lila, Nayana Mani, in the group of Radha, has given me an order. So he's saying, Radha's group has given me an order. And in order to do this task, to fulfill this order, though I am unworthy and most unqualified, this is why I am approaching you and begging you for your blessings because I will need those today to do that. And he says, for, and, and for today, you are the wisest. This is the last line. is charming also. And today, he says, today you are the wise today. The friends of Krishna don't always agree with him like that. You're not the wisest today. I defeated you. <coughs> he says, today you are the wisest. And I'm petitioning you in this way. He says, Tomar se shakti pele. Guru seva tumile jivan Jodi tahale sukhi tava If you would give me your power, if you would give me your shakti, then I could serve my Gurudev and make my life, per- life perfect. If I perfect my life and my service and become joyful in this achievement, then... Your company will be my reward." You see how he's bargaining with Krishna? (laughs) You give me the Shakti to do this work (coughs) of Radha. She has asked her assistant to uh, delegate to me. You give me the power. Radha's group will be pleased. Your life will become auspicious. And I will meet you again. I will meet you once again. Do me more Chirsati, he says. Because now Prabhupada is going very deeply internal, from speaking about the preaching that if it's done properly, should result in inner life. It's not just a book-selling you know, business, right? He says, Tumi mojirsati He says, you are ever my companion, my comrade, forever. Buliya maya lati Koyachi janma janmuntare ajipuna esu jog jadi jog, jogajog pori tuhe milibare You are ever my comrade, Companion, but I had forgotten you and suffered my flogging birth after birth. If today the chance to meet you occurs again, then surely I will be able to rejoin you. Expressing this his aspiration in a very powerful way. He says, To milane bhai bane kai se din kabe he says, Oh, Krishna, when, or oh when will that day be mine? Tomara miliane bhai, when my friend, I'm again meeting you, abharasai shukupai, I will be happy then. Gocharane guritin bor, and moving in the pasturing grounds with the cows and herding them. Kotta vane chutta chutti, vane kai Wrestling, frolicking, rolling on the ground, moving through all the bonds, Dwarasavan of the mundal." In ghostly when, oh when, will that day be mine? Arjī says, "Subhīdhāne, tomar smaran bhelo, boro asa doki tai. Ami tomar nitte dās kore eto asa, tumi bina anya goti nai." Today, remembrance of you came to me in a very nice way. Feeling great hope, I called out to you, O oh Krishna. I am your eternal servant. This is why I can hope. Save for you, I have no other shelter. So here we find Prabhupada cultivating that, that bhava, a that particular sentiment. And he has a connection with the gopi group, but friendly sentiment. This is a special type of friend who has connection with the romantic life of Krishna. He has shelter of also a, a group leader in, in the gopi side, like Radha. Anyway, these are deeper topics, but point here today, relative to our discussion, is this. He's praying for this. So we could say again, at least he's cultivating that bhava bhakti. He has some aspiration for that. He's cultivating that. Now, the question the doubter, wants to know if he's attained. In 1975, Prabhupada returned to Vrindavan. Of course, he went to Vrindavan before that, after coming to the West. But he returned to Vrindavan in a conclusive way, in the sense that he had his own residence there, he got residence in Vrindavan. you understand what I'm saying? Prabhupada used to say, my place of worship is Mayapur, my office is Bombay, my home is Vrindavan. He said, praying here, I want residence in Vrindavan. Prabhupada lived in Vrindavan. He stayed at Radhadamadar, and he stayed at Keshigat, I believe. Another. But he didn't have his own place, so to speak. And by the time he had come here and done this preaching for Saraswati Thakur, getting the Shakti from Krishna, it's obvious that Krishna agreed to this proposal here. We we're all the result of that, the proof of that. We we're the parman. He got the Shakti. No doubt he has such Shakti. Did he get the fulfillment of his aspiration? He came back to Vrindavan, he established Krishna Balaram Temple in Raman Reti and with all of us. He wouldn't, stay in, he wouldn't go to Vrindavan without us. You understand what I'm saying? It was difficult to establish that Krishna Balaram temple because one of the reasons being that people didn't accept his entourage, those people that he was connected with from the West. They didn't especially want them in Vrindavan for fear that they might walk in their shadow. But Prabhupada convinced them. He got residence in, by Krishna's grace, he got residence in Vrindavan, built Krishna Balaram temple for all of us to come and reside and worship in Vrindavan. And Shortly thereafter, a couple of years thereafter, while translating the Brahmavi Mohan Lila of Srimad Bhagavatam, which we've been discussing at Jamuna Devi's house every morning at some length, in the midst of that, end of the 13th chapter, Prabhupada left the world, achieved his, uh, the, the fruition of this prayer. So we have some good reason to believe that Prabhupada is an Uttamadikari. Thank you very much. Any question? it indicates that, um, that there might be some controversy as to Shri Prabhupada's relationship with Krishna as it is is he uh, it's, it almost sounds like he's like a coward or a friend or is he more you know I mean I've heard this kind of debate about this, this can you comment on that? I can comment on that Prabhupada said once that um, all I want to do is go to Krishna Loka and eat kachoris and ladus. Mm-hmm. With Krishna in, in the Vrindavan uh, forests, pastures. And then he said, Oh, give me ladus and kachoris, and then I will bless you. This uh, actually recorded in the Milamrita, this statement. Sripad Satarupamar wrote in his interviews with devotees, and such a conversation took place. So, just to, so what is, it is very interesting, actually, Prabhupada's obviously <coughs> aspiring for some standing in Sakhyarasa. And then he says, you know, he's imitating somebody. He says, oh, give me Ladus and kachoris and I will bless you. Who will say that to Krishna? Madhu Mangala. Mangala. I'm a Brahmin. You give me ladus and kachoris, I will give you my blessing. He's imitating him. (laughs) I can show you 108 places, references and instances that Prabhupada expresses a very strong sentiment for Sakhyarasa. And Sakhyarasa with full acquaintance of the romantic life of Krishna. That is a free nārmā. My Shiksha guru, Śrīgār said, in my opinion, Prabhupāda has affinity, your Guru Marsh has affinity for Sakirasa. Like Krishna das Mahārāj, disciple of Saraswati Thakur, dear god-brother of Prabhupāda, he had sentiment for Sakirasa. When Śrīpāda Bhaktivedanta Narayan Maharaj came to visit me, when I was in Oregon, on the first time he came on a tour, I invited him there with this group and we hosted him. So he was pushing on me about the Manjari Bhava and this kind, because of, he likes to emphasize that as his own sentiment. Appropriately, wants to emphasize his own sentiment tastefully, and, of course, uh, in consideration of the company. So anyway, we, we were alone, myself, I believe, and uh, maybe in Maharaj, Vishnu Maharaj, discussing with him. And um, previously, some years earlier, I had once showed him this poem, and um, he said, "Oh yes, that's a nice poem." When I got to these Verses where the Prophet speaks about the sentiment of a Sakya, of a friend. He said, Oh, you should not think that your Guru Maharaj is in Sakyaras. Banish that from your mind, he told me. I have not banished that from my mind. <laughs> so there are room for differences of opinion. I showed it to Puri Maharaj also. He said, Oh, it is Sakyaras. He said, But Praman is a realization. So you get realization, then you can speak definitively. But Siddhartha said, I saw the poem, and he established Krishna, Balaram and Vrindavan. He was empowered by Nityananda. He made many, many analogies between the work of Nityananda and that of Prabhupada. He said it, in my opinion, and I don't take it lightly, when he's the one whom Prabhupada said for these kind of deeper topics, we should get some insight. He said the realizations of Sridhar would make you faint. So this may make you faint, but this is the realization of Sridhar Maharaj. Our Guru Maharaj, Prabhupada, our Guru Maharaj, had sentiment for for Sakirasa no contradiction here. That is a happy thing. That is not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. Now, some people complained about that at the time. They said, oh, he's criticizing Prabhupada. Because he said, Prabhupada, he says, has sakya And therefore, he's implying, if you want madhuri rasa, you have to come to me. In this way, he's trying to steal people from Prabhupada. I mean, heard this. He said, what? They're saying that? He said, what do they think? That sakya is a bad thing? I thought it was rather a compliment. What is their understanding, he said. Unfortunately, in his own group, after he passed away, some people, this happens, groups are problems. Groups create problems. There's always going to be problems in groups. I I tend to stay in the smaller groups as much as I can. But anyway, in his own group, Shida group, some of my godbrothers who were in that, under his good influence and so forth, after his disappearance, used to say some things like this. They used to say, You know, if you want the material sentiment, people have to come to to Guru Maharaj, Shri Maharaj. I said, this is not our philosophy. Why are you teaching like that? Even if our Guru Maharaj Prabhupada is in Sakirasa, you shouldn't preach like this. And that one time I talked to Puri Goswami Maharaj. At that time I was reciting this poem to him. I said, you know, Maharaj, sometimes, this promote Puri Maharaj, disciple of Bhaktisvan Sarskita Krakura. I said, you know, Maharaj, sometimes people say like this, and I don't find it very appealing. He said, he laughed. He said, Baba, he said, if you have a sad guru situated in Sakuras, you've got no problems. If someone's telling you you've got a problem because your guru is uh, situated in Sakuras, he said, they got a problem. You have no problem. He said, everything, he will make all arrangements. If you need any adjustment because your own sentiment develops in terms of Madhur, then he will make that adjustment. Whatever is needed. And these two, the romantic life, of, of Krishna is fully participated in by these, these type of friends, the Priyanarma and Manjari. Manjari is always tendering to the pangs of Radha's separation, and Priyanarma is always tendering to the pangs of Krishna's separation, exchanging notes, messages, and they are intimately involved. There is some difference in sentiment, no doubt. But the sentiment that we have, whatever it may be, that will come out naturally in the course of our practice. And we find incidences that are very clear in the Sampradaya which emphasizes Madhuri, because that's the furthest reach, that's like the full meal. So we invite everyone, we tell, we've got the full meal here. Come and sit down. Everyone will eat according to their appetite and find their place in brunch. And Bhav can't happen without Sakyabhav, without Patsalibhav. <coughs> All these things are, it's an organic whole, don't have a material conception about it. So we, if we find in this lineage someone develops in terms of Sakyarasa, why is that a problem? That's not a problem. However you develop, if you develop, that's a success. Do you follow me? Now, when some people made that critique, Suryumar said I, said, I said, how can they say that? So? What do they think? Then he said, anyway, if they want to think otherwise, that's not my personal opinion, but then I will offer them this type of reasoning to support their own thinking. If they want to think that Prabhupada is in the Manjari bhav, like some people like to think. he said, then they can think he was empowered by Nitinanda Prabhu to do this work, which is clear. And out of deference to Nitinanda Prabhu, who is in the Bhav, this Manjaribhav was concealed and the Sakye Bhav came out and was shown prominently. And mm-hmm. the conjugal love, kept in the background, especially when preaching in the Western world. So, so they can think of it like that. But anyway, he so said, in my opinion, he had affinity for Sakyabhav. So, so, so I, I, I follow my and as I say, I can, I can give you 108 references from Prabhupada's books and things. That he saw. I'm going to write a book about it one day before I retire, hopefully. Something definitive to help us all. Am I, anyway, help us, whatever. Anyone who can glorify our Gurudev with insight and realization, we appreciate. We may have a slightly different angle We are not to beat one another over the head over this. We are to appreciate the fact that our Gurudev like Krishna, he's like a valuable jewel. And he would show himself one way to one and one way to another. Like if you look at a jewel, you see so many different facets. So we, we should appreciate We all love Prabhupada. Anyone, anybody, anybody preaching in the world today practically is living off the remnants of A.S. Bukhidanda Swami, Prabhupada. And that's a good, that's good prasad. So we are all connecting with him. We are all indebted to him. We all have some angle of vision on him, whether it be... Incomplete, uh, realized, maybe it's even uh, not quite right. But um, practice. You want to put Prabhupada in the center? Then don't be sentimental about it, be practical about it. All the things he taught you, put that in the center. You want to put Prabhupada in the center? Then you must change 16 rounds, you must come to Mangalat, do all those kind of things. I mean, relative to your circumstance and situation. You put the practices in place and have open mind. Don't be closed minded I tell you something, I've been doing this for a long time, long enough, 30 some odd years I've been a sannyasi since 1975. In my experience, what I thought was Krishna consciousness when I was 25 years old, I think very differently about it now. Many things are the same, but it's quite a bit bigger and deeper and broader and more exciting than it was then. What you think Krishna consciousness to be now, it's very different than that. It's similar, but you're only thinking about it <laughs> and a little bit of experience of what it is. When you really go beyond the mind and experience it, it's worth, you'll know it's worthwhile. I mean, you already do know it's worthwhile, but my point is try to be a little open-minded. And as I said the first day I came here, a little generous in dealing with one another. Be a little bit um, liberal in your, in your thing. Be open to new insights. It's a big topic. All right, I've been talking for quite a while. I don't want to keep you any longer. I know you've prepared a feast and all, so please take Prashad. Sila Prabhupada. ki jai.